Howdy. Welcome to episode 77 of the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. And with me, as always, is the is the uh, aide-de-camp, the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm, who thinks something's funny. What's so funny, Brian? It seemed like you were emphasizing the episode number a, just just a bit. Maybe maybe I'm misreading that. I don't know. That that this is episode number seventy-seven. I th- I think you you leaned in slightly. I I don't know. You want you want you want me to do it again? No, no, it was good. I mean, because I, I I can do it, you know. Well, it was good up until you said the segundo. You want to do that part again? With me, as no. always, is the aide de camp, Brian Grimm. And what's one of our topics today? <laughs> well, you know, because because Chris Galley, who will be joining us uh, shortly, um, a, a special guest and friend of the podcast, Chris Galley, will be joining us uh, to talk about um, Bruce Springsteen's album, Darkness on the Edge of Town. Uh he he has always been critical of our use of uh, calling you the aide de camp, and uh, I think to draw attention to his actual military service. Whereas you and I have both watched the longest day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's and that's about as far as. As it as it's gone, you know, Sands of Iwo Jima, um, you know. So, I think maybe the first time I ever heard the term "aide de camp" was in a song by Warren Zevon called "Mohammed's Radio," and the line goes, uh, "I heard the general whispering to his aide de camp." Be watchful for Mohammed's lamp. Uh, and Mohammed's radio was one of several Warren Zevon songs that was recorded and released by Linda Ronstadt during her incredible mid late 70s run. Now, I mean, she had bigger hits with. Um, uh, you know, Blue Bayou, you know, um, uh, that'll be the day. I mean, you know, I mean, Linda Ronstadt had just a, a ton of hits and, and most of them were really very good. And, and I think I've said before that I think Linda Ronstadt's voice is, you know, one for the ages. This is stunning. So powerful in its prime, right? Mm-hmm. But she she recorded Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me and Muhammad's Radio and uh, Carmelita and Hasten Down the Wind. And all of those are Warren Zevon songs. What's interesting is she also covered Allison by Elvis Costello before it, before he was uh, um, a name, uh, you know, a uh, a known commodity. And <clears throat> I think because, you know, because he was kind of a punk, 
uh, he, uh, you know, was was critical of of that uh, of her of her recording it. But uh, you know, I'm sure he cashed the checks. Sure. And Allison was a pretty big hit. But what's interesting about Allison's got like this really dark underside to to it, right? My my aim is true. Um, and Carmelita is about uh, a, a guy who's trying to shake his heroin addiction. Um, Hasten Down the Wind is a very sad song. Uh, Muhammad's Radio is, I don't even really totally know if I get it, but just the imagery is um, uh, uh, striking. Um, uh, it's like uh, uh, he's been up all night listening for his drum, hoping that the righteous might just, might just come. Um, and and uh, Zivon would play with uh uh the lyrics okay so like if you if you ever get if you ever hear like recordings of the rat pack or bobby darren would do this too right like all of those like lounge guys i mean and they were better than just like lounge lizards but i mean ultimately when they would like play the sands they're just having a good time you know mm -hmm. and and so like they would um so like Okay, so like a really bad version is uh, um, in the song Beyond the Sea, which Bobby Darren does. And it's just such a great song, right? Mm -hmm. But if you ever hear it live, I, I've got a live version where he says, um, <laughs> uh, my, my, my baby stands on golden sands. Is that the line? That's it. Something like that. And it's like, uh, or wait, wait, waits on golden sands. But anyway, he he changes it to Tommy Sands, who was a you know a cut rate. Uh, it's like who you get when you can't get Bobby Darren, and like you know they probably just thought that was hilarious in their boozy early '60s way. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, Zivon would play with the lyrics, but they're always like kind of interesting. So in Muhammad's radio. The line is the sheriff's got his problems too, and he will surely take them out on you. But uh, in the live album, Stand in the Fire, which is probably the first Zevon album that I ever owned, he, he uh, changed it to, you know, the Ayatollah's got his problems too. And even Jimmy Carter's got the highway blues which was like topical at the time because it was probably recorded in 1979 uh, at the Roxy in, in LA. And, um, uh, you know, I would, uh, several times um, I saw him, I, I, I saw the man several times in concert uh, in in Denver at the late and lamented Rainbow Music Hall. Did you ever see a concert at the Rainbow? No. Okay. Well, now I sound I sound like a horrible boomer. You have never lived until you saw <laughs> a show at the at the Rainbow. Anyway, uh, yeah, the the acoustics were great. It was like a three 
two or three thousand seat theater and and it was great and uh uh so so in uh, werewolves of london which is zivon's biggest song he would he would change some things and like he he, he uh, changed um said uh saw a werewolf walking slow down the avenue you know he's just trying to get along he's going over to norman mailer's house and norman's going to teach him the executioner's song and, and that was the other thing about zivon is that he was a highly literate guy i mean he was mm -hmm. clear it was clear that he uh read books read smart books read important books as well as he he also had a real thing for like noir uh uh writers uh genre writers mystery thriller adventure writers so the <clears throat> in fact stand in the fire was dedicated to the novelist ross mcdonald who did the lou archer books um paul newman was in a couple of adaptations of uh Lou Archer, uh, the drowning pool, maybe, I don't know. I never, um, I don't, I I've never, I've never read him, but I think that there are, I, I think what's one of the things that's important about Warren Zevon is that people that you might like better all like Warren Zevon. <laughs> um, for whatever reason he was a very unique voice and in a little bit i'm gonna uh read this article that i wrote that was kind of a remembrance of him for the for the newspaper that i used to work for but um one i kind of i don't know it, not necessarily early in marriage i don't really remember when she made the comment but mrs winger said you you're you're warren zevon i mean to get to understand you people have to get warren zevon and i'm like whoa not not the transcendence of paul simon not the not the triumph of bruce springsteen she's like nope warren zevon <laughs> and and uh, I think that what she's picking up on is an intelligence, but kind of a, shall we say, a tragic view of history and of personal circumstances. Maybe, or, or maybe, like going back to what you said before, is that any particular person may not like Jeff Winger, but someone you like likes Jeff Winger. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, okay. Also, he's like perennially second, second string. Never, I mean, outside of, um, like apparently there's beef between him and Jan Wenner of Rolling Stone and like Zevon will never ever be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. So, I mean, there's like, you know, like Cinderella is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for all I know. 
uh, Nobody's Fool is a pretty big hit. <laughs> okay, okay. So aide de camp. Aide de camp is a French term. It's uh, it's the it's the general's uh, right hand man in yeah. the um, you know in 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 the forward. So so obviously I I use it I use it loosely with you. I mean I think you know you. Um, you know, it's from the French, which means like aid in the camp. <laughs> like, so like if you're camping. It's French for aid of camp. <laughs> yeah. Camp aid. I <laughs> Didn't Willie Nelson and John Mellencamp do camp aid? I was going to say that that was a wonderful live performance of camp aid. <laughs> Wow. Oh, that's funny. Willie Nelson's like going to be a hundred this year. And I mean, they're like planning his birthday party in Fort Worth. I, I, I don't I, even I, want to be this close to Fort Worth when it happens. What? I, I, I read somewhere, somebody asked him about how, how he lives that long. You know, how's, how's he still alive? You know what the secret is? No cheese. will kill you that's funny yeah that's funny all right well like i want to come back to warren Sivan because i would like very much to think that warren Sivan wrote lyrics that he was embarrassed of you know when he was a young man that he wouldn't have written as a more mature and developed intellect and and uh, artist, right? Like like most people, like they they grow up, they mature, and they they think, man, if I could go back and do that over again, I probably would. So I've probably told the story before about Paul Simon telling Bob Costas. So Bob Costas says, which of the old songs make you cringe mm -hmm. uh, when you hear them today? And Paul Simon was very centered and philosophical about it. And he says, well, he says, I, I, I wouldn't say cringe. You have to understand that when you're young, you express yourself in a certain way. And it's all about who you are who you were in becoming who you are all true then he goes nevertheless i never have to hear feeling groovy again <laughs> or where i am a rock yeah. <laughs> uh you know, but you don't want to be a jerk about that. And I actually heard uh, Josh Bro. Okay, so apparently Josh Brolin, somewhere between um, doing Goonies and his like 45th DUI, uh, did a movie about skateboarders. Do you know about this? Thrasher, maybe? Slash? I, I don't know. Um, Josh Brolin did a skateboarding movie? Yeah. 
you know about this? I do know about this. Um, are you the? Are you? Was it you who broke your arm, or was it your brother skateboarding? Uh, neither one of us. Okay, but one of you stopped skateboarding after somebody broke their arm, right? No, I think that I stopped skateboard. I I stopped skateboarding. I don't. Well, I, you know what? I don't think I've ever stopped skateboarding. So. <laughs> so I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> all right. So anyway, all right. So look. So so Josh Brolin's in this movie. That he's not especially proud of. But some, but like every once in a while, somebody will come up and say, "Man, that movie like saved my life, or it was so important to me, and all this." And he's like. And he feels like I don't have the right to be a jerk about it because somebody else is feeling something, you know, so, and I'm sure that, that a sensitive uh, fellow like um, Paul Simon would feel the same way. I mean, you know, it's like, well, okay. I mean, if you, if you feel like I am a rock, I am an island speaks to you that, you know, that's your deal, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Thrashin came out in 1986. Um, the movie poster that was Thrashin without a G on the end. Yeah, Thrashin with an apostrophe there. Okay. Wow, that's um, street. Um, the uh, the movie poster says "hot, reckless, totally insane." It was Josh Brolin and who else? Robert Russler and Pamela Gidley. Hmm. Names I don't recognize. I'm not sure they got out of the Southern California alive. Uh, but Tony Alva was in it. Uh, Tony Alva was a uh, you know a pretty big name in skateboarding in the in the eighties. So it seems like somebody that you guys were running around with broke their arm. Luke Tolan. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, look, until Luke Tolan starts uh, taking out advertising here on the Managing Expectations podcast, I don't think we need to be dropping his name in the same sentence as Josh Brolin. Right. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I, well, then I think I remember your brother saying, no, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt myself skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, this is a good time to say uh, that um, the Managing Expectations podcast, several episodes, but especially this, the 77th episode, uh, is brought to you in part by All in a Dream Comics and Books in downtown Denver, Colorado, on Colfax, just off of Colorado Boulevard. He's at Ray is at 3115. East Colfax Avenue, Denver. Uh, he can be reached at area code 303-333-8616. Or for more information, go to allinadream.us. That stands for United States. Or if you want, I can give it to you with the NATO phonetic alphabet, which would be Uniform Sierra. Dot Uniform Sierra. Are you sure you weren't in the military? <laughs> when, when I worked for American Airlines, I learned the NATO phonetic alphabet because they used it. Except D is Delta. 
which was a competition. So at American, they changed uh, uh, Delta to David. Mm. I learned it in I learned it in my eighth grade keyboarding class, which teacher was very quick to remind us it's not typing. It's keyboarding. Um. Uh, why you because you didn't learn to type you use you learned to use a word processor in eighth grade we we used typewriters and they were elect they were electric typewriters and your teacher insisted that you don't call it typing call it keyboarding mm -hmm. preparing us for the future that's really caught on i mean i was like what i was expect i was expecting uh flock of seagulls here with the keytar <laughs> so um mr grim can you give us can you tell us how many words per minute you keyboard no but i can jam out on this uh <laughs> on this instrument all right so everything has been leading to this and that is uh I've been going through some old papers, trying to find some stuff. And I wrote, I wrote, uh, I found a poem that I wrote in a creative writing class in my senior year. Now, um, um, my my senior year was um, tumultuous, I would say. Uh, I was working uh, at this restaurant and uh, I was working like 55 hours a week and then like trying to graduate high school. And um, I, I, I drank a lot of beer. And uh, let's see, I don't know, did I? I had a girlfriend for at least part of the time and that wasn't great. Um, so, so anyway, but I did well in history and English. And uh, if you were to see this, you would wonder why. <laughs> um, and because, because my self-loathing knows no bounds, uh, I, I am prepared now to share with you this, um, this poem. And it's kind of a long poem. I mean, I was definitely, uh, I was definitely stretching for T.S. Eliot here, okay? I mean, I don't start out with like, three stanzas of, uh, of Italian, but, um, and I had to, and I had, she, she insisted that I title it. Um, and, and so I never liked the title and I still don't. <clears throat> My first inclination would be to name it untitled. <laughs> sure. Untitled number seven or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But what we came up with is all this from high volume fast food. Okay. And Brian, I'd like to read it to you now. Okay. So for our listeners, I am experiencing this 
the same time that you are. I, I hang on. Let me put on my um, my artificial soul patch <laughs> and my my black turtleneck and my beret. You have a uh, do you have a bass player, an upright <laughs> bass player that you could have? <laughs> that would be great. Oh man, if I'd have been thinking, I would have like done a like. Um, okay, so, uh, okay, so let me just say, this is um, the uh, I so I so I would have written this when I was uh, eighteen. I had just turned eighteen, and uh, I was ambitious. So it's unspeakably pretentious and um it's uh, uh, it's embarrassing but it also has if i may say one of the best lines i've ever come up with and i have referred back to it time and time again through my life and we can talk about that now before i begin all this from high volume fast food i would like to uh just say that um, uh, I was working without any sort of moral scaffolding. And so some of the language uh, it is a little salty. <laughs> just, just, just so you know, here we go. All right, are we ready? That, that was like, that was like a, that was like an after school uh, movie special where like the subject matter is a little bit rough and like it's fine up into a point but then they're like they cut to a commercial break and then they count after they come back from the commercial break they're like okay audience what you're about to hear may be intended for a more mature audience that's exactly what it is okay here we go <clears throat> i don't want to spend the rest of my life in the obscene plasticide of your local shopping mall. But we all know you will, unless you're actually hopeless enough to fight it. But at the base of your brain, you'll always feel the fear that someday you'll mindlessly be playing with electric puppy, dogs behind the counter of Woolworths, and we think we're so goddamn much better than everybody else, but we all know we'll curse the beans while running up for our coffee refills that are on the house, and we'll arrogantly vacuum our carpet and curse when we see the inferior, inferior equal in the competition store for using the same machine on a different carpet. And when we slip into our great labeled garb, we let ourselves forget, if only for an instant, that there are still people starving out there. And somewhere there's an infant who doesn't know 
and couldn't care if it wanted to, that I'm so well in fashion and he'll die by five in fire. And maybe, just maybe, he was the one who would have grabbed the world where the hair grows short and yanked it back where the hell it belongs because we all know love isn't thicker than gold and blood's no longer in the running, but blood is running and no one is going to make it stop. <laughs> we should just face the fact that there are better things to bang than our heads against a stone wall. And how much sleep I get is as of little consequence as what I do awake. But maybe I'll give it a whirl because I might as well. You just never know, even though I got my free coffee refills and a really sweet vacuum and a clean carpet if not conscience, and my stylish style, and maybe me and the world will stop being so stupid childish and get along with each other long enough to get our shit together. Mic drop. <clears throat> well, that was something. <laughs> you see some themes now, don't you? I mean, it, it, it puts things in a psychological context, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So I've always had apparently some, some manner of, I wouldn't say death obsession, but, uh, the dark side is right there. Keen awareness of it. <laughs> you know how you know how sometimes you'll see a picture um, of of one of your close friends when they were a child, and you'll say, "That that looks nothing like you." And then sometimes you'll see a picture of someone when they're a child, and they're like, "Oh." haven't changed much shut up i'm saying all i'm saying is that you're somewhere in between a better writer for sure i think i'm a better writer now too and um the thing that i will not be sharing is um this so I, I, at first I thought it was an essay, but I think that I was like answering certain questions and um, I, it, it, well, okay. So like it talked, I, I mean, I talked, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't, you know, th this was like the late seventies, early eighties. I don't know if it was like Alan Alda in the culture. I don't know what it was, but I mean, I, I just like, I shared so much, you know, it's like I wrote about, okay, like my, my father's suicide attempt, you know? And I just like, I, 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 don't, I don't think that I would just like submit 
a, <laughs> you know, an English teacher to that crap now, you know? Like I would wanna like read my kids homework before I gave it to a teacher, you know, who, you know, by the way, these were like, oh, oh, so there were like two, there were two English teachers, Mrs. Neiman or Miss Neiman and, and Mrs. Wilson. And um, boy, I, I had some, I had a crush on them. Hmm. Well, you know, but sometimes something will you know, Brian, up. I'm still thinking of Mrs. Wilson in that white eyesod that she would wear occasionally. <laughs> I'm moving, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from the crisis. I don't remember the building being as chilly as uh, as all that, but it must have been. I was thinking, I was thinking that uh, sometimes um, something will catch you at a certain time where you wouldn't normally share or have a conversation with someone, but because of whatever, because of the circumstances or whatever's going on that you do. And so maybe that's, you know, maybe that caught you at that time. But I also was going to say is that, yeah, you're, the poem that you read from 18-year-old Jeff is a little bleak. It's a little dark. Um, is it? Being, I, mean, I mean, were you struck by that? Not struck by it, but not necessarily caught off guard by it. But um, being, being a, a, a teenager is difficult. Um, being a teenager that's, you know, having a tough time at home is, is even harder. So it's, uh, well, I do, I, if I'm being fair, as much as I'd like just to slap the crap out of this, this, this know-it-all, right. This pretentious little gas bag. Um, uh, I, I mean, I didn't have, I, I mean, it's not like home was, any sort of safe harbor. Right. I mean, home was actually part of the problem and it's surely why I spent almost no time there. You know, I mean, I spent so much time at, at work and, and, and didn't go home. All right, so well, can, you, well, can you- And and that's the thing is that oftentimes work or school are, are the places where people have the toughest time. I hated school, but you know, it's fun. It's funny. I mean, I don't, I mean, uh, certainly by the time I was older, I mean, as older, I was a big guy. Um, you know, the jocks left me alone. In fact, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you the story about the quarterback, uh, was a guy named Rich Rarden, who I think became a lawyer. He went to Wyoming and, um, Rich Rarden became a lawyer. What? What does that sound like a lawyer name? And he was a quarterback. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, he was a quarterback for the. What, what are you saying? He was a nice yeah. guy, you know. Sure, you no, know. sure he was, sure he was. But that, I mean, that, yeah, that that sounds. Well, Rich Reardon isn't exactly like Jack Armstrong. Pretty close. Okay, so um... his name is Rich. <laughs> Richard. Uh, so, so uh, maybe the, okay, so, okay, okay, so um, when the jocks decided they were going to take a walk on the wild side and drink, uh, they came to me 
for because my expertise was well known. Rich reached out. And so I'm like, so like, I don't know, I buy like, I mean, I ended up with like a case of beer and a bottle of schnapps. And uh, we're like in the, in the basement of somebody's house. And um, like these guys had never drank before. So I mean, like, like half the football team is having their first beer with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, Brian, I probably don't get, I don't get as, enough credit for that. I remember Steve Mitchell, who was a dope, uh, saying, um, I just brush my teeth. If I drink the schnapps now, if I drink the schnapps now, will it be like, will it be like drinking orange juice? Will it, gonna, will it give me that? Is it going to ruin the taste? Will, will, gonna, yeah. It's gonna be, is this going to taste a little sour? <laughs> hey, Mitchell, we're, we're not drinking it for the taste. <laughs> no, no, it's fall. And so we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Ugh, Peppermint schnapps is not something that I remember fondly. Yeah. yeah. Remember that line from Mad Men when uh, uh, they were trying to come up with a cocktail for Mountain Dew? And she, and she says something like, vodka and Mountain Dew sounds like an emergency. <laughs> She's like, that's not a cocktail, that's an emergency. Anyway, um, with you, with you giving me a lot of credit, and by the way, I'm not going to kill myself because of this poem. If I was going to do that, I'd have done it 40 years ago, but uh, 39 years ago. Okay, to be to be clear. Uh, but uh, when Mrs. Winger sees a connection between me and Warren Zevon. I think that she sees <laughs> who, what kind of 18 year old is worried about like a starving five year old? Somebody who's just aware of what's going on in the world. All right. Well, I mean, if you want it, okay. Well, do you, do you think I had a lot of people to talk that over with? I mean, no. even my friends were like, what is your deal? But see, but see, but then something interesting happened. So there was like this Swedish exchange student named Lena, Lena Hansen. So her last night in, in, in America, I mean, like I, she and I made a beer run. Okay. And we end up pulling off in a park and I, I just like tell her like all this kind of stuff, like you know, like my sensitive side and she, and she, she ate it up with a spoon. Nothing happened except we got back to the party like two hours late and her dad or, you know, like, I don't know, what, what do you call the Sponsor? Sponsor was kind of mad at her. Not as, <laughs> not, not as mad as he would be because then afterwards, we TP'd the house. And I mean, in, in the history of TPing, I mean, we use, I mean, this is before membership clubs where you could buy in bulk. We got so much toilet paper and we, I mean, we like wrapped the trees. 
we wrapped the house. It was unbelievable. We were like throwing it over the house and back and just like, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. And like, I'm like dad age now. And if I ever came out and saw my house like that. It'd be so hot. I'd be so mad. Well, I, I'm trying to think. But we only did it because we were crazy about Lena and we didn't want her to leave, especially since all of a sudden she's digging sensitive wing and, you know, come on. She was Swedish. Did you come work? on. How did I, how did I blow that? <laughs> what? Did, did your you plan work? What? Did your plan work? Did she stay? <laughs> no. No. No, <laughs> I was trying to think about the last time I saw um, a house that was teepee. That's that's been forever. I don't think kids even really do that anymore. They don't. I I haven't seen it in a long time. Well, I mean, for one thing, it would totally be picked up on the ring doorbell, and kids next door, are next door would have the kids executed. <laughs> Very angry. Is this where we are? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Bridget Fetessy tells this great story about, um, uh, so her first husband was Belarusian and um, they're watching an episode of The Simpsons when, I don't know, kids TP to house and he's, and he like doesn't understand this. And so she has to like explain the like high school kids would like go out and like, you know, explain about yeah. TPing a house. And, and he's like, you mean when we were waiting in line, hoping to get toilet paper, you guys were just like throwing it in the trees of the neighbor's yard. Cases of it. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple cases of it in the case of Lena Hansen's sponsor. In Littleton, Colorado in 1983-ish. So anyway, um, so yeah, okay. So like the dark side and the bright side. And uh, uh, going back to uh, my high school poem, can you think of which line I've gone back to time and again? Uh, nope, missed, missed that one. Well, I do like how much sleep I get is as of little consequence as what I do awake. Yep, that's good. That's a good line, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But you know, it's only the second best line. I, I know where you're going with this. Do you? Maybe, maybe it's a good time to talk about our sponsors. I already did that. <laughs> Though I think everybody would like to know um, uh, that, that to, uh, uh, to interact with us, uh, more directly, you can go to managingexpectationspodcast.locals.com. It's a social network that is uh, not uh, all about uh, giving you um, ads or, um, you know, like Facebook and stuff. Uh, it's It's more of a membership thing. And of course, we're not uh, there's so few of you listening. We we don't we don't expect to get any money out of you. Certainly but, not uh, going to raise our prices now. We're not raising our prices yet. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, we reserve the right to raise our price from zero from free. But right but now a, we don't, yeah. we don't. That's a 2022 conversation. And you, you know what motivates me on that in this regard, Brian? Hmm. There are better things to bang than your head against a brick wall. Like nails, for example. So, <clears throat> also when, okay, so, so, so Warren Zevon uh, has actually, I mean, so like there was this, there was this chick that I worked with in Kansas City. She was smart, uh, she was sensitive, and she hated Warren Zevon. I mean, she would become pathological about Warren Zevon. She hated his voice, she hated everything about it. And, um, um, a mutual friend, uh, Jordan, uh, hated, uh, didn't like Warren Zevon, but I think that's cause he was on a scooch hunt and, uh, didn't want to, and, uh, didn't want to, uh, um, mess things Yeah, that up guy's the world. worst. What's that? Yeah, that guy's the worst, right? <laughs> um, he liked, you know what? He liked the Travis McGee, John D. McDonald book club. And um, that that actually was a pretty high-rated show. I'm I'm thinking right now that we need to get Tirza and Emily and the uh, mystery-solving grannies and um, just do the entire John D. McDonald catalog, the Travis McGee catalog. Okay. Okay. You just oh, <laughs> you just, you're pouting because I snuck my favorite line back in i'm not pouting and, <laughs> I'm not pouting jeff <laughs> i'm I, i'm not pouting i'm disappointed jeff what you say when you're 18 is one thing what you repeat when you're 57 well that's something entirely different you know what um the first time was an honest mistake second time was a deliberate choice yeah oh wow you really are giving me a disappointed dad look so I really liked Warren Zevon, and um, uh, I I went through and I found the article I wrote when uh, he died in two thousand three. And what do you got? Well, who, Letterman also liked Warren Zevon. Letterman loved Warren Zevon. Uh, actually appeared on an album or, uh, on a song with him uh, as I say in the article that I was about to read but I mean you know if you want to do a thing sorry uh, uh, Zevon said that his music had no better friend than Dave Letterman yeah. uh, Letterman would always have him on whenever he had something and even if he didn't um, like if Paul Schaefer was away they'd bring Zevon in to be the band leader because he was a very accomplished musician. You know, he could play electric guitar and, and pianos. But he would also have a conversation with him. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't just to promote the album or to talk about music. He would have a, a real, a, a two guys having an interesting conversation together. I know, I think that's right. Well, and it's because, and it was because Zivon was a smart guy. I mean, some of his lyrics I think are, are a little repetitive I mean, in, in ways, um, 
I mean, I absolutely think he, he deserves. Okay. So hall of fames are all vanity and whatever. Um, they're, they're great players that don't make it into their sports hall of fame. There's great everything that doesn't make it in. You know, some of those things are so political. But Zivon was a great American songwriter. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I've probably, and maybe, uh, so like in his song, uh, My Ride Is Here, he rhymes, um, uh, Mazuma, which is a Yiddish word for the lute, the moolah. Mazuma with 310 to Yuma. Pretty good. Which is great, which is great. Yeah. And, and uh, I was listening to something the other day and it just hit me like, wow, that is that is such a good rhyme. I mean, it's like almost like Cole Porter. It's just so, I mean, it's not, it's not, um, it's not as merry, light and colorful as Cole Porter but it is as clever. Well, some guys are, are pulling water from a deeper well. And so somebody who reads a lot and who watches a lot of things. Did you just, did you just make that line up? Uh-huh. That was great. Thanks. Okay, go ahead. What, what were you saying? <laughs> somebody who, now I'm thinking who... about how deep you think my well is. Oh. Two and a half miles straight down. Is it because I was worried about that five-year-old in 1982? <laughs> so full of crap. Uh, yeah, no. So, no, he was on Letterman a lot. And you can get, like, a lot of Letterman, uh, um, a, a lot of those clips are available on YouTube. And uh, his last appearance on Letterman. Uh, Letterman had him back. Okay, so after he was diagnosed with terminal mesothelioma, um, Letterman had him back and he was like the only guest. And I mean, I can't imagine CBS was loving that because, you know, Warren Zevon hadn't had a hit in, you know, whatever, 25 years at that point. Yeah, but it, uh, I've seen that and uh and it'll break your heart he said he used to go to a guy he never went to the doctor which is like amazing because i mean the guy did not take care of himself he, he, i mean he drank for all those years and he did drugs and he uh smoked you know and he only went to the dentist and i can't remember what the dentist's name was but he like called him like dent like phil so like you know He'd go to well, dent. You got to take care of your teeth. <laughs> and he said, "He said if I ever get anything that dentist Phil can't take care of, I'm in a lot of trouble." He goes, "Well, guess what?" <laughs> um. Okay, so may I read this? Do you mind? Please do. I mean, do we have time? Uh. Well, how long are we talking? Are we? Uh... Well, I don't know, Brian. It's probably a thousand words. It's so it's about half as long as my poem. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. From the Asian Reporter of September 23rd, 2003, Zivon is dead. Warren Zevon died last week at the age of 56, leaving a unique legacy in pop music. Zevon was well-read and a world traveler. His work reflected an internationalist view, and he played the guitar and the piano like he was mad at the world. His passing is notable because he was the perfect antidote for boy bands and the other piffle manufactured by the music industry. Though one of his live though one of his live albums was entitled learning to flinch it seems that zivon never did born in chicago to russian immigrants zivon had a formal musical edu education though through his father he met the composer igor stravinsky and classical strains were evident in much of his work in due course, Zivon headed to California and wrote songs. Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me made a hit by Linda Ronstadt, was perhaps the best known from this period. She also enjoyed commercial success with Zivon's Carmelita. Those songs, along with Frank and Jesse James, Desperados Under the Eaves, and The French Inhaler, all appeared on his 1976 eponymous record. Though the Eagles are often credited with capturing the zeitgeist of the 1970s in general, in 1970s California in particular, Zivon was writing songs chronicling his time and place and beyond. In 1974, he was playing in a cantina in Spain where he wrote the unusual gunfighter ballad, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. The song begins with mercenaries in Africa and ends with Patty Hearst in Berkeley. Take that to the Hotel California. Roland was released on 1978's Excitable Boy, the pinnacle of Zivon's commercial and artistic success. In addition to the title track, the album held his biggest hit, Werewolves of London, as well as the distinctive Lawyers, Guns, and Money. I saw Zivon in concert several times, mainly as a solo act. He began, as many times as not, a man with a guitar, brave and defiant, like a lone gunfighter in the street, to the stomping lawyers' guns and money, and the great opening quatrain. I went home with the waitress the way I always do. How was I to know she was with the Russians, too? The choral plea is send lawyers guns and money, dad, get me out of this. I cannot think of another song even remotely like this one. Zivon's imagery is reminiscent of Ernest Hemingway's in that it's international and smart and tough. And like Hemingway, Zivon was a drinker. Unlike Hemingway, Zivon recognized his problem and got help and sobered up. Following Excitable Boy was 1980's Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School, and Drink had begun to diminish his skills. Though there are memorable songs on the album, many of the lyrics are forced, the melodies contrived. He seemed to lean heavily on Los Angeles studio musicians, many who were friends, many of whom were more technicians than artists. 
One exception was Bruce Springsteen, with whom Zevon co-wrote a more traditional gunfighter ballad, Genie Needs a Shooter. Even as his work suffered when he was drinking, his work when sober displayed a hard-earned maturity without losing its wit or edge. Indeed, the edge was very much in force with Detox Mansion on 1987's Sentimental Hygiene about celebrity sobriety. He sang, I've been raking leaves with Liza, me and Liz cleaned up the yard. Hygiene features one of his best songs, Boom Boom Mancini, a ballad of the boxer. Again, Zivon's work is reminiscent of Hemingway, but also Bob Dylan. Think it's just about boxing? He disparages, some have the speed and the right combinations. If you can't take the punches, it don't mean a thing. At about this time, I spoke with Zivon on Rockline and asked him what he was reading. He had just finished Thomas Pynchon's Gravity's Rainbow and was working on William Gibson's cyberpunk novels. These greatly influenced Transverse City in 1989. It is a dark album with scenes of a ruined earth that recall the film Blade Runner. To the uninitiated, to the uninitiated I have compared Zivon's work to a John Ford Western, such as The Searchers, but the comparison is not quite right. Zivon's work is more comparable to the work of Sam Peckinpah rough, sometimes to the point of being grisly, and desperate in the absence of a moral framework. Yet Zivon also held a guarded optimism and a tenderness. He spent much of the 1990s recording and touring, and he finished the decade his third in the music business with 1999's Life Will Kill Ya. The record included the almost prophetic, almost prayerful, Don't Let Us Get Sick. He also included a cover of Steve Winwood's Back in the High Life. At a concert appearance in Texas, he explained that he recorded High Life for grins with his tongue in his cheek, but that the laugh was on him when the song became a modest hit in the UK, the biggest hit he'd had in quite some time. In 2002, Zivon released My Ride Is Here, which presented his best song in years, Hit Somebody, the hockey song. Similar in tone to Roland and Boom Boom Mancini, Hit Somebody tells the story of a Canadian farm boy who becomes an enforcer in the NHL and just wanted one damn goal. It's nothing short of thrilling when Zivon sings of Swedes at the blue line, Finns at the red, a Russian with a stick headed straight for his head. These three songs will be, for my money, Zivon's legacy because they exemplify his tough guy ethic in a hostile universe. This contrasted greatly with the artistic vision of many of Zivon's friends. When Jackson Brown was whining about no nukes and giving dolphins the vote, Zivon was roaring about three young men in a Russian truck with a little Mac-10 sent him running to the huts. However you may feel about Brown, he was vital to Zivon's career by fighting for a record deal and by producing Warren Zivon. 
Brown notwithstanding, Zevon once described Dave Letterman as, quote, the best friend my music's ever had. He otherwise had a bewilderingly varied group of friends and collaborators. These included novelist Carl Hyacin, Bruce Springsteen, Peter Buck, Neil Young, Jorge Calderon, David Lindley, and others. They helped him create a body of work that will accompany us through our lives. Many of them helped him construct his last album, The Wind, released this year and were, worth, and were with him in his last days as the inoperable lung cancer took its course. He wasn't cut down in a hail of bullets, but he was cut down. It saddens his fans and leaves a void in American music. Good. So first of all, uh, I'd like to say that I improved since that stupid poem. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, well, I probably, should. if I had a modest bone in my body, I might have, <laughs> I might have taken a beat and let you have an opportunity to do that. <laughs> Yeesh, sorry. All right. All right, I promise to be quiet if you want to tell me how, what a great writer I am now. <laughs> that, that was good. Okay, so so um, old listeners to the Managing Expectations podcast will remember in the 80s, well, probably into the, in the 70s, into the 80s, and I don't know when it stopped, but there was a call-in. It, it was a coast-to-coast -coast live call-in show, Rockline, and they would have like, you know, I mean, like, you know, they, they would have guys. And, and so Warren Zevon was on when he was plugging sentimental hygiene. How, how long did you wait on hold to get on Rockline? It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was, but it was a while. I mean, I can't, I don't totally remember. I don't know, an hour, a, an hour. So it was like our first year of marriage. And, uh, I was, <laughs> was working at a pizza hut delivery and after i was off the phone one of the drivers calls me up he's like dude i totally heard you <laughs> anyway i okay so first of all so first of all when you get somebody on the phone you say like hi how you doing i mean even though right you kind of already heard him say they're fine it's just like i don't know it's like uh some sort of yeah, response it's a, it's a, it's some, some sort of pavlovian response it's a soft intro okay but the guy after me is like some wise guy and he's like uh hi warren i'm not gonna ask you how you're doing <laughs> what a jerk super cool <laughs> yeah way to go anyway i asked him i'm like hey warren you seem like a really well-read guy and i was just wondering like i didn't even know but like just from like yeah. his lyrics okay right. so it turns out okay so a couple of things one is um and, and then we'll wrap this up but I, I i said you know what you know what you know you seem like a well-read guy what are you reading what was the last book you read? Whatever, and he, and he had just finished, as I as I say in the article, mm -hmm. Gravity's Rainbow, and and moved on, and was reading Neuromancer. Um, important books, you know, not for nothing. 
but I mean, they also like kind of like shaped his certainly transverse city is very much influenced by cyberpunk and just a dystopian future. Hmm. Um, there's a great, there's a great, there's a great song on that album called, uh, oh, so my favorite, um, I, there's actually, I, I actually kind of like, like some of the, some of the songs on that. There's one called Turbulence um, that kind of like flipped. So like, you know, with Springsteen and Born in the USA and he does like the, um, you know, and John Fogarty, lots of guys did, you know, Vietnam soldier songs right so zevon writes um a song about a russian soldier sent to afghanistan um which Hmm. right and he you know i mean it's just it just kind of flips it on its head he's there's a there's a verse in russian that i don't really that i i don't understand at all i don't really understand literal Uh, translation's a little lost but (laughs) uh so um uh so 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 that was turbulence uh networking um uh which is like kind of early in pcs but it's like i'm networking i'm user-friendly networking i install with ease data process truly basic i will upload you you can download me I don't know if that's a double entendre or what, but probably not. No, probably not. Not on an episode when I talked about my favorite line ever. <laughs> um, that I wrote. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, I, I mean, there are lines that I like better from like Shakespeare or whatever. You know, if you're into right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, so so yeah, I, I was I was on rock line with Warren Zevon. So it's a pretty <clears throat> okay. cool story. So so if, if we have listeners that um, are unfamiliar with Warren Zevon, they probably heard a couple of his hits um, on the radio. But but uh, this this discussion has interested them. Where should they start? Well, if you're going to listen to an album, you probably want to listen to uh, Excitable Boy from 1976 it's got it's got lawyers guns and money it's got werewolves of london uh there there are some clunkers on it i don't ever really need to hear nighttime in the switching yard uh there's a song called tenderness on the block uh which is some some chick singer covered that and it was at the end of maybe sliding doors um some Tenderness on the blocks at the end of like some British rom-com that you and I both liked because our wives made us like it. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah obviously, I'd I'd rather be watching a bullfight. I yeah, I will. I, yeah, I woke up on the couch and it was on. <laughs> I was taking this. I, I fell asleep watching golf. And next thing I know, I'm waking up and sliding doors is on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sean Colvin covered it, and and I think it was on at, at on uh, sliding doors. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you? So, how do you feel about your skepticism now? Okay, 
Mr. Mr. I'm take I take a lot of vacations because I get a lot of vacation. All right. So Sean Colvin, so some chick singer is is Sean Colvin American or is she British? Or is she Canadian? doesn't matter i'm just she's american she's american okay so so tenderness on the block is actually kind of a good song obviously guys like you and i who have apple music could go to warren zevon essentials okay but the thing is there are some deep cuts on Warren Zevon that are totally worth it. I mean, I'm afraid that you you could like actually miss the hockey song. Mm-hmm. And the hockey song is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I really like that song. Yep. Um, what's a Canadian farm boy to do? Hit somebody. Yeah. Right? It's good. It's, uh, a, it's a great song. It's a great, it's a great story. I mean, it's 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 storytelling. In a, in a three minute song at its, at its best. Isn't that something? I mean, I yeah. totally feel like it's a, a Johnny Cash or, or, or Marty Robbins gunfighter ballad. Only the guy is a hockey player. Yeah, he's a goon. Fast guys get paid. They shoot and they score. Protect them, buddy. That's what you're here for. It's great. Yeah. Um, um, the song My Ride Is Here is is terrific um uh the the houston sky was changeless we galloped through blue bonnets i you were you were wrestling with an angel i was working on a sonnet i said i believe this seraphim will gather up my pinto and carry me away jim across the san jacindo my ride is here Good. And he and he weaves and he weaves like these uh, um, these classical poets through it, right? So Shelley and Keats were out in the street, and even Lord Byron was leaving for Greece. While back at the Hilton, last but not least, Milton was holding his sides. He said, "You bravos had better be ready to fight, or we'll never get out of East Texas alive." Because. <laughs> Because the trail is long. Wait, because the trail is long and the river is wide and my ride is here. It's great. I mean, it is. And, and, the, and the thing is, oh, this, is the, this is the thing. So, so my old buddy, Brooke, okay, who I still hope to have on the podcast at some point, okay? The thing is, he's like, not unlike yourself. He's kind of a player. He's kind of a big time guy, okay? So it's like hard as hard as it is to get you, it's even harder to get Brooke. So, I'm, I'm, listen, listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minnow in, in the pond. He's a whale. Bad fish, swallow your whole. I, 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 I showed that clip to Jack the other day. And can he do it now? Uh, he probably can. Can. Does his brain work like that? Yeah. Yeah. He'll like in three months, he'll, he'll drop a line from it. I'm sure. (laughs) When you least expect it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what a joy to have teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so I'm at, 
so Brooke was having a party. So, so Brooke was like a lifeguard. Um, he worked at the same restaurant that I did in high school, but he was, he's, he's a few years older. And, um, but he was also a lifeguard. So he had this like whole playboy lifestyle thing working that I was blissfully ignorant of. Actually, I wasn't blissfully ignorant of the time, but I think that in, in retrospect, I think that he was probably protecting me from things that I wouldn't have been able to control. Anyway, there's, there's like, uh, he had like an end of summer party at uh, like this, this uh, country club where they were gonna be closing the pool or whatever in, in, in Denver. And so, you know, we were, I mean, it was like at the clubhouse. It was, it was a really cool party. You know, there's like some older people, you know, so that was cool. I'm pretty sure I was probably drinking a Michelob because I was being classy as all giddy up. Okay. Gold foil on the, uh, on the, oh yeah, on the sure. Yeah. Did you ever learn that trick? Like if you pull the thing, the, the little tab on the label up and you try to get it between like the red, uh, you know what? Mich I'll just, I'll Mich talk to you about it the next time we're together. Michelob, what are you fancy now? We're a Coors family. <laughs> Sarah and the kids are in the other room working on silver bullets as you speak. That's right. <laughs> the mountain's still blue. <laughs> so anyway, so so at this at this uh, party. Um, there were a bunch of records. There was a record player and a big, you know, big stereo system set up. And I saw for the first time uh, this war ex the Excitable Boy album and the liner notes. Okay, so so like uh, the record sleeve, I should say, on one side were the lyrics, and on the other side there was a picture of a three fifty seven Magnum on a plate with peas and mashed potatoes. So it's like a steak and potatoes kind of comment. Here, I actually have a picture of it right here. It was in the article, see, so you can okay. see it. Yeah. But, but our, our listeners, of course, can't. But I think that I was pretty visually accurate, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 357 Magnum on a, uh, on a, on a dinner plate, plate of yeah. home cooking. And, and I had never in my life, and I still, I, I mean, a, a song like Lawyers, Guns, and Money, right? Yeah. It, I, I mean, I've just, I mean, you just, people don't write songs like that. Yeah. About hiding in Honduras, I'm a, I'm a desperate man. Send lawyers, guns, and money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner it is maybe the best song ever written about uh, uh, mercenary zombie. You know, uh, it's not for everyone. I get that. I don't listen to it often, and I almost never listen to Excitable Boy. My sister actually um, was uh, put on a because because the Excitable Boy is a psychopath mm -hmm. who. Um, 
does evil things. Okay, so I mean, he's a terrible and but 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 like Linda Ronstadt and Carla Bonoff are singing back up, and it's like this ooh excitable boy, you know. So this like whole thing, and um, uh, he. So I mean, it's it sounds like fun until you know the murder and and so forth. Yeah. Um, so my sister's like playing this at her work in a playlist and she's like, yeah, I need another playlist that doesn't have excitable boy in it. <laughs> so I sent her, so I sent her my playlist, um, to get winger. You have to understand Warren. to understand winger. You've got to get Warren Zevon. Maybe, I don't even know. Maybe there's a way. Okay. So, so Chris Levine and his excellent podcast, um, refresher a pop culture therapy podcast that's it um he always includes the spotify playlist but you and i you know kind of being high rollers we've got the i mean can i share a playlist with the people sure i go to locals.com and and find it there managing expectations podcast.locals.com Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can I can put I can put the podcast or I can put the uh, the thing there. Oh yeah, of course. That's fantastic, man. People are going to want to do that mm-hmm. for this our seventy seventh episode. I was I was thinking that you know how we can remember that this is the seventy seventh episode. It's, it's, it's because you just think about the number of times that you should forgive Jack for mislabeling the other episodes. You know, if you're going to throw the Apostle Peter in my face. I hate that part. <laughs> Oh, Jack's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's doing a good job. All right. Well, um, uh, you got anything else? No, this has been good. Poetry you wanted to read? (laughs) Uh, Before we started recording, I I, I told you that uh, if there's anything embarrassing from my teenage years, there is no way that I am recording it and putting it on the internet. That's stupid. <laughs> for me, for me, well, for, like for me sobriety personally. and nature, reading your teenage poetry is stupid. Yeah. Okay. Well, for, for others, it, for others, it might be fine. Just, for, I'm just talking for myself. <laughs> Ryan, that was my truth in November of 82. Right. I respect your truth. What a jerk. All right. I see you. I I acknowledge your truth. I I see you and I acknowledge your truth. (laughs) Just drop dead. All right. Well, we can all agree on that. So, uh, allinadream.us. Uh, Chris Levine's awesome podcast on Spotify, um, Refresher, and uh, Managing Expectations podcast.locals.com.
com. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think that I was formed in ways as much by Bruce Springsteen as I was my father. But I'm pretty sure I would be a different guy without the music of Warren Zevon. And not for nothing, but it was my uncle who got me listening to Jackson Brown. And really, for me, Jackson Brown was the gateway drug to all of these guys. Mm -hmm. More on this as we go along. But uh, for now, uh, we want to thank you very, very much for spending some time with uh, the aide-de-camp, Brian and I. Uh, the aide-de-camp, Brian, and, and I, Jeff Winger. The general. No. <laughs> um, you know, of, of every title that's ever been given, Supreme Allied Commander is pretty good. It is pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Eisenhower, oh, like, he did pretty well for himself. You know, it's, okay. It's just amazing that people thought Eisenhower was stupid. I mean, the guy, the guy conquered Europe. I mean, he had to have something going for him, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, well, that's settled. <laughs> so for Brian Grimm, I'm Jeff Winger. Thank you for joining us. Peace and love. <laughs>